The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Timothy Harvey, Jason Hunt. This is H2O. Hello, folks. My name is Timothy Harvey. Welcome to H2O here on SciFiForMe.com, Sci-Fi For Me Radio, and Sci-Fi For Me TV. That is us, yes. Yes. And I'm here with Mr. Jason Hunt. That is me, yes. yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Most of the time. Most of the time, you, you, I guess, yeah. You appear to be That's, tangible. I'm, I'm corporeal today. You're corporeal today. I'm Just slightly today. Ambula- ambulatory today. Slightly. Yeah. Mm. All right. Coffee. As we teased last week. Uh, this news came out. Uh, a, it's an article. It came out October fourth. Uh, and for those of you who are just finding this show, we talk about a lot of different things. This oh, yeah. is our this is our little catch-all show between editors of the site. And well, we got a lot of different interests, I and mean, we we cover quite a few things. You know, we cover Star Star Wars over on on one show. We cover uh, Salacious Crumbs. Salacious Crumbs. We've yep. got so we've got. Uh, Marvel Universe, right? Uh, over on level seventy-seven. We've but as far as this particular, well, show, I know. But I mean, we, we're, we're, we're I'm plugging our other programs here. Can I? Can I? do that? Can I? Can I promote our other stuff? Is that all right? Well, are, are you okay with me doing that? Okay, uh, that's what I thought. So um, we got Echo Chamber, which covers a wide range of things, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, but as a larger group. Yeah, and uh, try to bring in a lot of different voices for that. Right. Uh, we've got our DC Comics show. Um. Which uh, Rogues Gallery, which considering the number of DC television, has turned into in many ways a DC television show. Uh, yeah, and and that's actually it's it's ironic because as many DC shows as there are mm-hmm. on the air right now, yeah, that particular podcast has fewer listeners than our other know, specified weird. specific niche podcast. Uh, we so. also have uh, uh, Zompocalypse Now, uh-huh. which uh, where Dustin Adair and I cover. Things Undead, primarily the Walking Dead series right now. Uh, right. We are moving into a few other directions as we... There's just a lot of interesting horror and, and dead-like things to watch and talk about. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're also in the final season of Teen Wolf, so Dustin wants to talk about that because he covered that quite for quite a while. Yeah. Um, uh, in the Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Which was like a, a... long time ago. Yeah. So, and then we've got... Uh, um, <coughs> Maya and company covering the final season of uh, Grim. Grim, yeah. Yep. Grimly speaking. Speaking, the podcast. speaking of dead and dying, that actually gets us into our topic for today. We talked yeah. about it a little bit last week, but, but uh, what where, where I was going with it was last week we talked about the SpaceX explosion. Right. And we've talked about uh, the, the Axonar lawsuit, and we've talked about uh, all sorts of different things on this particular show. Right. So if you tuned in last week because of the SpaceX thing, and this week we talk about Buckaroo Banzai, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not that much of a head snapper one way or the other because right. we, we, we're all over the place. But the things, things Often dying, all over the place within oh, the same I, show. I know, right. <laughs> Although I have been told, and I've 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 reported this before the feedback that we've gotten that we don't digress near as much now as we did on our first seventy five episodes. It took us seventy five episodes to settle in. But are they saying that's a good thing or are they complaining? No, no, no. no. They're saying it's a good thing. Okay. 
because we tried so hard. So if they're complaining, it'd be like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Um, I almost. Happy medium. I almost want to get. I almost want to get a little. Uh, a little um, uh, recording. Somehow, just fire off on a button. Stay on target. Stay on target. Right. Yeah. You know, get one of those. That would not be a bad um, idea. So our target tonight, Buckaroo Banzai. Speaking of things that are dead or dying mm. or undead mm. or maybe dead mm. or mostly dead mm. or we don't even have an idea where it is at this point. We'd like it to be alive. We'd like actually. it to be alive. It'd be and really, really cool. However. A couple, well, how's it? What, a, month, a couple of months ago, yeah. we got a word that Kevin Smith, of all people, was developing a new Buckaroo Banzai television series. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that was all we knew. Right. And then we learned that Amazon Prime was going to pick it up. It was going to be on Amazon as a TV series. And then nothing. We didn't hear anything after that until last week. Mm-hmm. There's an uh, uh, article on Film Buffs Online which has been picked up and repeated on all of the other sites. So this is this is the source for this story as near as I can tell. And I can't find any independent corroboration or verification or anything. So take it for what it's worth. Right. But according to this, there's an article by Rich Drees, uh, October 4th headline, rights issues – Stymie Buckaroo Banzai Amazon series. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, all right. Let's, let's see if this isn't anything new in here. All right, quoting from the article, Buckaroo <laughs> Banzai may be in trouble, and this time it is not from the machinations, <laughs> machina- machinations, machinations. machinations of evil electroids from Planet 10 or the World Crime League, but from something Are we sure? far more vexing. Are we sure? Are we sure? Rights issues. In an interview, W.D. Richter, director of the 1984 cult classic The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, revealed that it is possible that the rights to the actual character of Buckaroo Banzai actually lie with screenwriter Earl Mac Roush. Mm-hmm. And that could impact the television version of the film that writer-director Kevin Smith is currently developing with MGM for Amazon Studios. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> According to Richter, Richter says, and I quote, quoting from the article, Mac's original contract is about the shortest I've ever seen in the motion picture business. It's about four pages long with a few lines going on to a fifth page. It's for a draft and two sets of revisions based on an original idea by the writer, which the contract calls The Property. And Mac is hired to write and deliver a first uh, first draft screenplay and two sets of changes based on The Property. Mm -hmm. Now, why this matters is because The Property, in this particular case is a 57-page treatment by Rausch called Lepers from Saturn. Okay. It's, a, it's an Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, but the treatment was part of a presentation that Richter and Rausch made to MGM. Mm-hmm. Dave, David Begelman, who was head of MGM at the time, says here, much of the other material in the presentation, which they titled A Buckaroo Banzai Sampler, 
consisted of half-completed drafts of other bonsai adventures Roush had started on while developing the overall idea and character. So they're basically making a presentation for a franchise. Right. Yeah. Look, here's all this new. This is a new Star Trek. This See is what we can do with console, this. Right, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so Richter goes on to say, and I'm quoting here, uh, rereading Mac's MGM agreement recently when the new series was announced to see if Mac had any royalties built in. It occurred to my non-legal eye that the document does not acquire the property. It simply hires Mac to write a screenplay based on it. MGM, according to this, oh, no. and and he's gone to, he's gone back to the lawyers, and the lawyers have looked at it. Oh, no. MGM apparently, oh no, never bought the rights to Buckaroo Bonsai as a whole. Oh no, they just hired Earl Mac Roush to write a script based on the presentation that Roush and Richter made. So the original, as far as they can tell, then. You know, because and this goes on. It talks about the, you know, the what's called the chain of ownership, right? Uh, because the rights to Buckaroo Bonsai have bounced around back and forth, and da, 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 da. and this has actually been a real issue and in getting the, the, the series, it's, getting anything made, whether it's a series it's or a, a new movie, issue. because no one there's there's question as to who's got what, right? Because in the midst of all of this, you had uh, uh, Bagelman, I think it was Bagelman, who. Some say was not quite right in the head, and then killed himself. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, Bagelman had gotten fired from MGM right, right before all of this happened. So he fo he formed Sherwood Productions, mm -hmm. and he took Buckaroo Bonsai with it. Right. Um. Uh, at at this at this point here, it gets very 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 crazy. Uh, this is, again, quoting Richter. The history of the chain of title on Buckaroo is just deranged. <laughs> when Bagelman dissolved Sherwood Productions, he sold off much of its holdings to pay off debts. Right. The property bounced around for a while from French bank Credit Leonidas, uh, Leonidas Polygram Records, ultimately back to MGM. Mm -hmm. But along the way, there are some gaps in the history of the film's rights. In 2003, Warner Brothers Animation was interested in doing a cartoon version of Buckaroo Banzai, but was warned off by Warner's legal department who felt that a clear chain of title could not be established. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some emails Warner Animation had sent calling out four or five places where the title chain just kind of disappears. Yeah. And uh, they, they discovered on a specific date, the title was definitely in the hands of Company A. Three years later, it belonged to Company G, and there's no record of what happened anywhere from <laughs> B to B to A, you know, any yeah. of that. So they don't know. There's no transfer of rights documents. There's no record of I. You know, there's no record of a transaction anywhere. Nobody knows who owns what because there's there's no paperwork. Right. right? But which, which is actually really really important when something like this because yeah. If you did it right, uh, a Buckaroo Banzai movie or TV show could be very, very profitable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if, well, and this is one of the reasons why we never got Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League because right. when Bagelman killed himself, nobody knew who owned what. Right, and the issue really becomes that studios are going to be terribly, terribly gun shy about getting. Someone's showing up with, oh, I have the document that says I own this. Give me all your money. Yes. 
and lawyers at studios. Oh, hey, wait. Lawyers and accountants. Look what I just found. Oh, is that a document showing that you own the rights to I own Buckaroo Banzai. Give me all your money. So it's, you know, and quite understandably because when you don't have this kind of connection where you can actually track this stuff, it is a legitimate fear, and it's a, and you really could. I mean, if it becomes a successful franchise, I mean, what if somebody showed up and said, "I actually own Star Trek." Here's here's Gene. Here's the actual affidavit. Here's the letter from Gene. Who basically yeah. says that yeah. you know I've signed over our rights in perpetuity to you. Paramount well, would sit there and go. <laughs> God. We're well, so screwed. <laughs> what if it was what what if it was the Axonar people that showed up with that document, right? Uh, Here's Alec Peters. Oh, by the way, um, well, and and what what Rick what uh, what Richter is saying here is that really, in order for you to do anything with Buckaroo Banzai mm-hmm. at this point. You basically have to wipe the slate clean yeah. because there's no evidence, there's no record that anybody can find yet that anybody ever bought the franchise in the first place. Right. Which means that Roush and Richter still own it all. And it, what surprised me more than anything else <laughs> is if they're developing a, if they're developing a Buckaroo Banzai property mm-hmm. and these two guys who created it are not involved – that smells to begin well, with. Well, but hold on, though. I mean, because... I mean, at least as consulting producers or something, you know, creative consultants, because, you know, when, when they bumped, you know, they bumped Roddenberry to executive consultant or whatever. Sure, sure. Get him out of the way, but he's still involved. But and, it also depends on how much these guys actually have expressed any interest in being involved. Do we know that? Uh, that's a good That's a good idea. Uh, I don't know. Um because I think one thing we we always want the folks involved in the property to be in to, who created the property to be involved in in a remake or a reboot or something like that. Except mm-hmm. uh, for for example, Gem and the Holograms. Okay. <laughs> Note. You're gonna have to bring that one up. <laughs> well, because it should be an abject lesson. Yes. To everyone who wants to sit there and say a painful hey, lesson. Let's remake a property, and basically tell the creator of the property, no, no. We're good here. Yeah, run along. Yeah, that was bad. And that was, that was poor form. And all not only, the way around. and not only that, it it sabotaged the project from go. I mean, it yeah. sabotaged the project with the people you wanted to well, watch the project. Not only that, it was but, a bad movie. But it was a bad movie, and and everything that we saw coming out of it during production, mm. from the time it was, hey, send us your videos on social media and whatnot, to three weeks later, oh, the film's done. It's like, wait, 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 yeah. what? What? All of the stuff that we saw, publicity-wise and promotional-wise, up until the point where we got the first trailer, gave us a sense that it was going to be messed up. Oh, and yeah. then we got the trailer that's, oh, it's going to be another one of these kind of movies, yeah. and it's not Jam the Holograms! Although doing, doing I, a little Dustin, I have to say the the very the very last scene where we get to see the misfits kind of be the misfits, right, was like the only glimmer of hope of that entire production, and it wasn't enough. But it was like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, there they are. Somebody, and somebody, somebody else over. shot this. I can't even say people. The the actual creator of the property snuck yeah. onto the set and went, "Come here, yeah, <laughs> let's do this over here." Well, they're having lunch. Let's actually let's actually try and fix this, and it was too late. Well, and, and and really, I mean. 
if you're going to do a Buckaroo Banzai story, if you're going to do it right, then you you have to tell the same kinds of stories without going back into the well and telling the exact same story again. You can't you can't redo across the eighth dimension. No, and you've got to do the next one. Unfortunately, this is also something that's always bugged me. As much as I want, I want this. Uh-huh. I want a Buckaroo Banzai movie. I want a Buckaroo Banzai TV show. I want Christmas to come and give me these things, right? <laughs> I think there's a Ferrari out in the driveway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the problem that I, I see with it mm. is that it is such a unique film. It is the tone. Name one other film in the history of film that has yeah. that tone. Princess Bride, maybe. 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 It, well, and, and, and in some ways, that is probably the closest analog, and it's a completely different genre. Yeah. And so it's, but it's, it's the approach to the material. It's, a, it's, it's that, such it's a that unique that flavor that the, the, yeah. the, the chance of getting it wrong <laughs> is huge. Yeah. And it's bigger than most well, it's bigger than most other properties. I mean and, yes, we, we, we gotta have Star Wars be right. Yeah. You know, we want Star Trek to be right, we want Superman and Batman, we want these guys to be right. But it's easier to get those wrong and still mm-hmm. be entertaining one than thing, to get though, Buckaroo Bonsai wrong because the fan are sit there and go. Yeah, but one thing you go, uh, if <laughs> no. if you've got because because I think Richter has been over the years up through all of this time, mm-hmm. he's been maintaining the Buckaroo Banzai website, right? Which has pieces of the mythology. So mm-hmm. you've still got that that involvement on sure. his part. But who directs it? Developing the stuff and because doing this thing. Because the direct the director is going to be you if, know what I, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying do, it's impossible because I said I want it. But well, it's... see, here's here's what I would like to see. I would like to see. Peter Weller and the rest of the of the guys oh, sure. come back and do a you know you know what you could do this is how you do it uh-huh. in order to launch the TV show yeah. right you have Eighth Dimension you re-release it in theaters mm-hmm. because now there's a cult hit oh I sure mean, it's, yeah it'd make a buku bonsai bag of money right <laughs> then properly remastered then you yeah. release the sequel. Mm-hmm. Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League, and you take you know Peter Weller and and Jeff Goldblum and all these guys that were Clancy there, Brown. Clancy Brown, all these guys before, and you do the World Crime League, mm-hmm. and uh, whoever you know uh, the Han and, and all, uh, you know, do that story because mm-hmm. that story we've been waiting for for how long now? And at the end of that story, there's some sort of a mechanism or a device or a th- something. That de-ages all of our heroes, right, or regenerates them <laughs> right, yeah, or do whatever yeah. into the younger actors who are then going to go and do the TV series. Sure, make it happen, MGM. Or, or here's <laughs> because if we're lucky, we're going to get. If we're lucky, we'll get a TV show. If we're lucky, uh-huh. I don't think. I think it'd be really. I would love or, another movie, but or they shoot the ending. With both groups of actors, <laughs> so the ending then becomes the beginning of the TV show. Sure. Okay. What's your, so sorry, here's the TV show, and yeah. you're gonna love this. Okay. Because it's going to be one hell of a flashback. <laughs> so you see them sitting around, and they're telling Buckaroo Bonsai stories. Uh huh. They're telling the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. 
So you can have those mm. actors, and then you go back to the, the 80s. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And you take them up there. The yeah. framing story. Yeah, there you go. and so basically, and then you would actually get up on screen 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much I hate that. But it would work, because it, because the best part is, is that you could put Buckaroo Banzai back in Buckaroo Banzai's decade. And yeah. then take it forward because yeah. couldn't you could? Oh, but it was. Uh, but in so, in so many ways, though, it would be so hard to cast some of those actors. Oh, it would. Yeah, absolutely. and I I'm afraid to even speculate because you look at some of the, you look at what Peter Weller went on to do with his career. You look at what Jeff Goldblum, Clancy mm. Brown. You look at these actors and you're like going, "How <laughs> holy you, ground, Highlander? How did you? What a." Yeah. How do you how do you, how do you get from you, here to there? How do you replace them? How, or, I know, or, you know that's going to be so hard. Well, duplicate it. You get uh, Clancy Brown, uh, the, the uh, Neil McDonough play can play. I think you could put him maybe in the, yeah. just because he's got that he's got a physical presence that Clancy Brown had. Mm-hmm. Although I think he's actually stockier than Clancy Brown is. Yes, he is. He's shorter but, too. But he's got he's got physical presence, and I think he could play. The part the same way, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a thought that popped in my head. But who the heck do you get to play, Buckaroo Bonsai? How on earth, Benedict Cumberbatch? Well, of course, because he plays all the characters. Right, I now, have right? to say, I got to see a video of him um, doing uh, uh, on stage with Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Oh, uh-huh. uh performing comfortably now. Oh, and sweet Benedict is. Can he actually sing? He can sing, and it works to a point. It's not. It's not any like, mm. quick. Give this man an album now. Right. But it's it's serviceable. It does the job. It's kind of like that video of uh, of Robert Downey Jr. with Sting. Yeah, it's like all the Marvel, all the Marvel people are are triple threats. Yeah, you have to be able to act, fight, and sing. And I had no idea that this thing existed. And I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. And so I was going, what, what is, what is it? Because oh. you know Scarlett Johansson can sing. I, I, she fronts a, she fronts a, a, a band, mm-hmm. yeah. punk band, mm-hmm. I think. Probably. No. So yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard one of their cuts. It's not, not too bad. So, not too bad. so basically, we're going to get the Marvel musical album. <laughs> we'll get the. Well, we'll get the it mar- is owned by Disney, <laughs> right? You know, and every, every, every show the on Marvel Disney, it has to be. Uh, <laughs> well, has, they have to be a triple threat anyway on the Disney That's Channel. True. So you know, why not? The, the Marvel musical special to be followed by the, the all new Star Wars, Star Wars, Wars special. special. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and somewhere you could hear a million voices, a million voices cried, cried out, out in terror. <laughs> and we're silenced. That would that would be funny. Uh, well, I mean, well, we're getting the we're getting a musical we're getting a musical episode on uh, Supergirl Flash, one of those yeah. somewhere because Dustin and I keep threatening to have a musical episode around Apocalypse Now, which is gonna would be terrifying. We don't even want to go there. Yes, it would it would be very very <laughs> terrifying. Which is why we might do it because uh, horror. You know, I don't think we're, there's we're not, enough we're not coffee going to do in the that. world to fortify me enough to listen to that. Not to say it wouldn't be good, but oh yeah, mm, <laughs> challenge accepted. Challenge might be accepted. So uh, I'm gonna shut up now. Uh, but yeah, I. Well, and it's and it's interesting though. After all this time. 
that people have sat there and said, where are the rights? Where are the rights? Where are the rights? Yeah. And this only now is coming out and – well, oh, it's, hey, it's, let's look at this. Let's look at this contract that's only four pages long. I mean, it really how long would it take a, you to analyze that? Well, it, it, I mean, it's such a mess, and it's always been a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think it's bad enough when you look at so, some old TV shows and you realize you can't get the musical rights to some TV show yeah. that you watched as a kid, and and so when it comes out on on DVD or Blu-ray, you're going, "This isn't right. Something's not right here." And it's because that song that they per- picked that was right, perfect has right. now been re- replaced by. You know, something that the studio owns. And that's jarring enough. But when you're like this, I mean, they're playing a game of hot potato legally. And it was a game that no one intended to play. And now when they finally have got the point where you've got someone like Kevin Smith who can come in and go, look, we've managed, you know, clearly we've got, you know, Ash versus the Evil Dead working. Yeah. And that's bringing back the original people and getting them involved. And... And so you want to be able to get his, but the reason it's working is because they're treating it with like respect, it's, with, respect. With, with like it's actually the show, which means that, you know, and so the Buckaroo Bonsai people are trying to do the same thing. The problem is, is that there is no, you can't just sit there and go, you know, Hey, you right. guys wrote it and created it. Come produce the well, show. See, and that's, that's what Richter is saying here, mm-hmm. that that's actually the case is that since they created it and nobody bought it from them. Mm-hmm. Well, well th- Roush, anyway. I think that if you can... That they still own the rights to the property. You would have to have... Oh, God, this is... The negotiation on this could be, could be terrible. Because, because basically, basically what he's saying here is mm-hmm. that according to the contract MGM signed with Earl Mac mm-hmm. Roush, here, we're going to take this franchise that you just presented yeah. to us, and we're going to pay you to write an episode mm-hmm. of it, and we're going to make that episode. Right. And see what happens. And all of the rest of it, they still have. Mm-hmm. So MGM never bought it. So MGM doesn't even have the right to produce the television show with Kevin Smith for Amazon at this point because they never bought those ancillary derivative, all of the legal mumbo-jumbo right. rights in order to do it. So they're going to have to go back to Richter and Roush, even if they don't want them involved. Right. Well, in which case, they're, they're going to have to go back to, yeah. One hell of a payday. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Heather, Kevin Smith and, and we're going to produce and they're going to be like, yeah, quite, well, quite justifiably. Oh, don't, sure. Don't, sure. Don't, don't, but I'm it'll not, be, I'm not it'll criticizing be, that. I worry that it's going to turn into another, another fight like, um, Siegel and Schuster with DC or no. the Kirby estate with I, 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 Marvel. It's not. And I'll tell you why is because Back in the day when that was possible, when you could do that to an artist or a writer, everybody did it to artists and writers. Right. You know, that's also the same period where studios owned their actors. Where a studio could, you know, the well, okay, the cautionary tale of a certain lady who sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Julie Garland's life was... Judy. Judy Garland's life was... I'm sorry, it sounded like you said Julie for a second. Also, Julie Garden. I have not um, had enough coffee today, Julie, clearly. Judy, all the, all the, all the Garland girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they basically created, controlled, and manipulated her and, you know, kind of killed her. <clears throat> so, the right. fact, and it's, it's so public now. I mean, the, you couldn't, you couldn't have a creator, you couldn't screw over a creator that badly now without... No, not, with, not, not in this day and age. Not without them talking about the internet, because we've had it happen. We've had folks sit there and go, you know, 
well, I'm just going to tell you what happened. And mm. well, uh, the other thing too is not not just not just you know, the the way you treat the creator and the fallout from that, but as you know, same same thing with the internet being the way it is. You can disseminate information mm-hmm. so much easier, not just tell the story of my side versus his side versus whose sure, side, because right. that's all hearsay. But, oh, hey, here's a copy of the legal document, mm-hmm. and it blasts out to the Internet for everybody to see. There's no, there's no real good way to, to cover doing some shenanigans or whatnot. So, um, not to mention it becomes really, really hard to justify – it's hard for a studio to justify looking at the world, the audience, and say, well, yeah, we screwed him <laughs> over, and we were and we were right to do that. It's like, you, you can't do that. It's, it's, well, you can try. You can try, But yes. it's, it's not going to go well. No. You know it is going to go well. More coffee? More coffee. Mm. And in the meantime. While we go get coffee, you yes. can hear from our sponsor, SuperheroStuff.com. They are purveyors of fine licensed merchandise, and Very I'm sure cool, that cool they stuff. have a clear chain of title to all the rights I, of the merchandise I that guarantee they carry. They do. So you can go to SuperheroStuff.com, order whatever your heart desires. And there is much to desire on SuperheroStuff.com. Yes, and my heart desires coffee right now, so we will be back right after this. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! Where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope, atomiccotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at atomiccotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Hi, this is Dan Handley. If you're a true believer, you should be listening to our Marvel Podcast Level 117, a discussion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, only on Sci-Fi For Me Radio. They look at a hashtag. I'm sure they're comfy. Oh, okay. Well, what is the hashtag? Bow ties are cool. Um, uh, I make this look good. And uh, style. None of those things. Uh, style. Style would, style yeah. would probably be. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. Back on H2O. Yeah. Jason Hunt, along with Timothy Kinky Boots Harvey. Hello. Yes. <laughs> We're talking in the break about some uh, unusual Instagram activity. So, 
Yes, not uh, on your part. No, no. I, in I, response, I posted something, and, and we're thinking that the word "style" triggered a, mm. a uh, uh, an invitation by a oh. woman's boot company to review their boots for a discount. We are on Instagram. <laughs> we are on all of the social media: Facebook, uh, Face, Facebook, the Book of Faces, the Book of Faces, uh, as opposed to the Facebook. Um, that's completely different yeah. discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, Instagram, as I said, Twitter, Google Plus, YouTube. Um, podcast.com and iTunes if you want to listen to our podcasts and Twitch mm-hmm. for those of you who are into video games we're, we're we've dipped our toes into Twitch uh, as far as some live gameplay and we're talking about adding some different days and some different things to it yeah. uh, and then um, if you're into cosplay uh, you can go to our Pinterest boards they're all cosplay all the time or you can go to cosplaydiaries.com mm-hmm. And you can tell us your favorite cosplay story, you know, your first time wearing a particular costume or your first time at an event or doing a charity thing or whatever. Because we want to we want to broaden our uh, our cosplay community, as it were. Sure. So, uh, you know what I have not seen? Speaking of cosplay, Mm. I have not seen to the best of my recollection. I have not seen Buckaroo Banzai cosplay at a convention. Maybe, maybe Buckaroo Banzai himself once, but I have not seen anybody in the Hong Kong Cavaliers. You know what? Or that the blue, seems... the Blue Blazer specials, or any so of those guys. The blue Blazer regulars. Unlikely, but you're, it's possible. I've seen one, two. I've seen two cosplayers uh, wearing. Uh, Royal Manticoran Navy uniforms from David Weber's Honor Harrington series. I've only seen two. The entire time that we've been doing this, I've only seen two. I saw one at Worldcon, mm-hmm. and I saw one at Ozfest the year we went up, and I interviewed David Weber when he was there. Yeah, which was I think 2012. I think. So yeah, not a whole lot of Honor Harrington costumes out there either. But I I have not, to the best of my knowledge, I have not seen any. Buckaroo Banzai cosplay at the events that I've gone to. Maybe maybe they go to Dragon Con, maybe they go to San Diego. You know, they go to the bigger con, Salt Lake. But yeah, I have I gotta tell seen... you, uh, the the first things I'm seeing here are a lot of great stills from the movie. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm looking at this and going, I mean, look at this, look at this photo. Oh, oh, I just had an idea. Oh. I mean, this is not hard cosplay. No, it's not. Maybe we should do that. I was going to say this. Maybe is, that's what we should this do. This is a chance that we actually might want to look at. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we can find the shoulder pads or some of these <laughs> things. But um, so, oh yeah, so yeah, maybe maybe we ought to do that. Maybe we ought to go as the Hong Kong Cavaliers to the next event that we we cover. Because I am maybe. just, I am, I am sadly but not seeing that. Raises the question though: Which of us is going to be Bakarubantai? Well, who do we know? Who, who do we know who looks like that? Uh, who do we know that looks like that? I don't. Know. I don't know either. I have to think about that. Well, I shaved my beard. I might throw some glasses on. There you go. Never know. Never know. But who do we know? Besides, I'm the boss. Who looks like that? Um... Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin in her twenties. <sighs> Ellen Barkin now. Ellen Barkin's a lovely woman. Um, she is. Uh... You know who's got the haircut? Molly Montgomery. That's true. We she could does. have we could have more than one pretty penny. Penny pretty. Yes, we could. Sure. Especially if you're going to call her by the wrong name. Yeah. 
Sure. Okay. I had an idea. I, I have I have a brilliant idea. Is it a cunning plan? It is a cunning plan. <laughs> and yeah. it is a way that you can incorporate the original movie mm-hmm. into the new productions. Yes. The movie is actually a movie made by the Bonsai Institute. It was a docudrama. Sure. With actors portraying there we go. Buckaroo Bonsai. And I actually think that at some point on the website, I think it's, it presents the movie that way. I, don't, I think it says that it's a docudrama, documentary thing about Buckaroo Bonsai and, the, and, and that the characters in the right, movie yeah. are not the actual Buckaroo Bonsai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers. I think it's – yeah, that's how you do it because you could start – whether it's your sequel or your TV show or whatever, you can mm-hmm. start with flashes of that film. And the real guys are sitting there watching. It's like, man, I can't believe we made this. Why didn't we make another one? And they could actually they could actually lampshade the whole rights thing right there in the pilot. <laughs> because somebody forgot because somebody forgot to sign this piece of paper. <laughs> they could. They and really now they finally, good. you know, they finally found it. It was sitting under the watermelon. Right, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Uh, I know. Somebody, I think. I think it's. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Write your check too. Yeah, we will. That we, would be we will funny. be happy to direct. That would be happy. Oh yeah, that would be so much fun. But you know, we've had. Mm-hmm. You know the. Uh, there's been a comic book. There's been yes. a comic book, and and. But, it's just, I but mean, pretty much that's it, though. Yeah, I know, and that's just that's kind of heartbreaking if you think about it, considering the fan base. And I realize, well, I realize there's been so okay, much. Tied okay, up, but... well, now you say fan base. The fan base has not always been there, and when the movie came out, was not there. I mean, the, one well, of the reasons why. And maybe if the first movie had been a blockbuster hit, mm. all of this would have been discovered. Much sooner, maybe when David Begelman was alive, yeah, and all of the paperwork could maybe possibly be tracked down. But you know, this well, but remember this movie is some, some films. You know, some films, honestly, are not recognized initially as being good films. Remember that the 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 thing when the thing came out. One of the talking cult, about the John Carpenter the John remake. Carpenter remake, right? Which is widely considered one of the finest modern. Science fiction horror hybrid films that is, um, you know, a, a special effects, you know, work of sheer genius in special effects. Yeah. Uh, of the of the films that Carpenter made, you know, that really defined him as a horror filmmaker. That was that was one of them, and I mean, this it's it's really it's a modern classic of horror. Critics hated it. Right. The critics sat there and went, "This is terrible." Why would you watch this? Why would you do this to yourself? Yeah. And the question, the answer is, because it's kind of amazing. <laughs> but, you know, and, and of course, certainly, th- certainly, we've talked about this before, when you go back and look at the, who won the Academy Award, in pick, pick a year, I mean, at random, and you look at what other films were up for the Academy Award, it's like, how could you possibly have picked this film about this lovely woman who I'm sure is having a great time and she's great with her family, when this other film over here is, you know, yeah. Change cinema, you know, because people they don't have perspective until later they look back and go, 
this was genius. How did we not see it was genius? Yeah, but you know, at the same time, though, I mean, you 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 talk about you know the difference between Star Wars and Annie Hall. We've seen this in the Academy for gobs of years now. Hmm. Even with the popularity sure, sure. of genre being the way it is now, the fact that the genre is now mainstream, even it's not even an outlier anymore, right. and is still considered the redheaded stepchild when it comes to. To awards and nominations and respect. Well, I think in some, I think in some circles. No, and, and I, I agree. I think I, I think at some point you're going to, and it might be the next generation of us. You know, I think that we are like so many things. We have been. We were the generation that saw the technology explode, the all the things that happened, mm-hmm. and we were the generation. It's our. It's us that were the generation that sat there and went, "Oh yeah, we're the nerds and we're in charge now." Oh, if only that were true. Yeah, no, for a given value of in charge, right? Yeah. <laughs> a very given... I mean, we're in charge of our own little... <laughs> right. But, the, but the, the geeks are ruling the world, and it's our generation. Yes. It is it. So, yeah. so the next generation is growing up in a world where that's just the case. I mean, you know, they, yes, you know so, yes. they're, so they're going to they're gonna look at films like Star Wars or Star Trek or uh, uh, Gravity... Mm-hmm. With you know, eight Academy Awards, yeah, you know, that's a it's a science fiction film, um, yeah, and it's or it's it's science speculation, which is for all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, these are people that are looking at this and going, but that's just a good movie, and it happens to have you know, mm-hmm. now are we going to see like a superhero film win a Best Picture award? Probably not, because that would be the next generation after next. Well, it better be a damn good superhero film. Is all I'm saying. I don't yeah. want to. I just you know because sure. as much as as much as the Avengers is a lot of fun, it's not a best picture. No, no. Unless it's not. that year has a really. I mean, not knocking the film, but it's not high art. No, well, it, even, it's got some. It's got some problems. Sure, but all, all of the all of the superhero movies have. Well, them, and, but some and, of them and a lot of genre others. pictures do just because they're trying to fit themselves into a specific kind of genre. Right. Uh, some of the ones that really break out that end up being Best Picture nominees are the ones that look at a genre and say, we're going to hang our framework here, right? <laughs> and then we're going to go over there. But, you know. So speaking, speaking of framework and going over there, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Does he have what it takes... Because you were talking about, you know, when if if you do Buckaroo Banzai again, mm-hmm. whoever it is, mm-hmm. whatever form that takes, TV, movie, mm-hmm. live theater, animation, radio play, newspaper strip, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Not that anybody's buying newspapers anymore. Oh, do you see? Uh, newspaper strip. They're going to do a crossover between uh, Dick Tracy and the Spirit newspaper strips. Awesome. Currently running in newspapers. There are they are still a thing, yeah. but yeah. So uh, so whatever whatever form Buckaroo Bonds. Dick I think, Tracy t- was a comic strip for those of you kids <laughs> at home. It was there was actually a movie. Um, Madonna mm-hmm. tries to act in it. Um, Warren Beatty tries to not be Warren Beatty in it. And it came out right before the Flash came out on CBS. Right, and, and the music all sounds the same because Danny Elfman did both. And it was clearly inspired by Tim Burton's Batman. Mm-hmm. It has a fantastic cast doing their best. 
<laughs> but it is a flawed film. It is it is a pretty movie though. The it's a guilty the, pleasure. The production designers really go cool on yeah. that film. Yeah. I I well, well it, I kind of it, recommend it. Just, it looks just because like, it's interesting. It looks like Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it, it looks like the comics. Visually, right? it is it is a, quite a successful film. So the so the Buckaroo Bonsai thing is a TV show right now. It's currently in development with Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. assuming that they get all the rights hammered out and the questions answered and everybody knows where everything is and all the legal hatchet jobs are done. Is Kevin Smith the best one for the job? Given his track record, given the inconsistency in his track record, given the split down the middle, love him or hate him, his work is good, his work is crap, we don't like him. We don't like his attitude or, or whatever. Well, I have my it's, own issues with Kevin Smith, and some of them involve uh, his really terrible comic book shows. Sorry, Kevin. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a fan. And, we we and, do better. And I wish I wish you nothing but the best. And I absolutely love the a night on Kevin's night with Kevin Smith. A night on Kevin Smith. That's a different thing. Oh boy, a night a night with Kevin Smith <laughs> makes those kinky boots. Like, I know. Mean, no a kidding. Different thing. Wow. Doesn't it? Um, but <laughs> and I, I I own I own the, the night with Kevin Smith movies. The uh-huh. the where he gets always out and talks about production. I think you know. And I'm a huge fan of Clerks. You know, there's a lot of a lot of films. Yeah. You know, Chasing Amy, some really really fine work. However, um, the answer to the question is it it may not matter if he's just if he's producing it. Mm-hmm. Then it'd be like Seth Rogen with Preacher. Yeah, you basically you know you could and you could certainly have him direct an episode or contribute ideas and things he, like that. I gotta say, he did a really good job with that episode of The Flash that he did. Well, I think that he he is a fan, and there's there's pros and cons to fans yeah. doing these things. He's hit and miss, though. Well, you know what? Everybody is. You know, Rob Zombie should be, by you know, looking at Rob Zombie's uh, you know, white zombie, his solo career, the way that he uses film, makes film references in his music videos, right. the success of, I mean, I hated it, um, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, I think, is a terrible film because it's so it's very derivative. It's it's a fan work, but um, you know he's they 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 looked enough of what he did and sat there and went, we're going to give him the Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. right? This was a terrible mistake. Sorry, Rob, huge fan of your music. <laughs> Be apologizing <laughs> to these people. Um, actually, I think there's a lot of talent there, but the reality is is that he sucked. Those films suck the mystery. Out of Michael Myers, therefore, yeah. and he's a fan. He's clearly a fan, and he's trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, not sure. He's, he's taking a different tack, and that's good. You should do that as a storyteller instead of just completely retelling it. Right. He sat there, and went, "Oh, what if I do this?" And for a large number of fans, the answer was, "Don't ever do that again," <laughs> because it'd be like turning Freddy Krueger into, you know, that creepy guy at this. Oh wait, they did that too. They Never did mind. That. It yes, was the sequel. Jackie Earl Haley. Doing an amazing job with less than stellar material. Well, now to to be fair though, that story about Freddy Krueger, they did that with Robert England in the last one of those, sort of. The problem the problem with the Nightmare on Elm Street films is that they they made two good ones. There are very entertaining ones. Let me be clear there. They made two good ones. The very yeah. first one, <clears throat> and then Freddy the final the the final nightmare. Uh, no, no, Wes Craven's new nightmare. The one where basically it's the real world, right? And, and right, Freddy right. is comes a, out, yeah. yeah, because that was 
that first of all, it looks gorgeous. I mean, in terms of in terms, especially for the 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 film, the horror films of the time, it looks beautiful. I mean, it's a. You think they shot it on a red? They, well, no, I don't <laughs> think they did. They shot it on film, but it's also got a visual texture, which is really neat. Uh-huh. And it was it was taking everything that had gone before and sat there and went, okay, now let's play. Yeah, and which is which is cool for a franchise, but for something like this. The realities of making a TV series is that you it is very much a collaborative effort. Every time we do a review of, of one of the Walking Dead shows, the director and writer of every episode changes every single episode. Mm-hmm. You might get the you might get the the headline director or writer writing the first episode and the last episode. Right. You have supervising producers and co executive producers and associate producers and So it's much more a a group effort, and some of that has to do with produ- the realities of production schedules. Yeah. So you, you're shooting multiple episodes at a time. Sometimes you're doing right. like a block of three or block of four. Um, so... Well, and the other thing too, it's like it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have mm-hmm. Kevin Feige, who's the showrunner, uh-huh. and every film is an episode of that series. Right. And so they've got different writers and different directors. I don't know. I I I just I when I heard it was Kevin Smith, I thought, well, it could work if we get the right Kevin Smith. Right. If we get the alternate universe, Kevin Smith, it won't be very good. And you know, it's 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 almost the difference between if if the right people had showed up to to do the the Knight Rider remake or Bionic Woman remake for NBC. Yeah, the wrong people showed up for those shows. I still maintain that that Knight Rider is a it's it a sequel. A, well, it's a product of its time. It's a product of of, of Mm-hmm. Beautiful car culture. Yes, and that's just not something that exists anymore. Not the same way. Yeah, I mean it exists. I mean people certainly still enjoy it, but it doesn't. It doesn't have that n- national yeah. kind of just obsession that we kind of had for a little while there. Right. Kind of like CB radios and and Burt Reynolds racing across the country. <laughs> we were talking about this at, at work today. I, How many Bruce, you know, uh, 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 Burt Reynolds racing across the country movies were there? All of them. <laughs> it's yeah. like they were. Did you? Um, did you? Well, did you it was see? A whole subgenre. Did you see? There was some company, and I don't remember what it is. Where it is? They were make. They're making seventy six, I think, production models of a special edition Pontiac Trans Am called the Bandit, and it is okay. It is a. It is a Pontiac Trans Am, sure, a modern, sure. modern, you know, now model oh, okay, Trans Am. Sure. It's, it's not a vintage it's reproduction. Not a vintage. Okay. It's it's a current model year Trans Am mm-hmm, sure. with the T-tops. Of course. And the flaming bird on the hood. Oh, of course. It's got that paint job sure, that sure. the Bandit had. Mm-hmm. And Burt Reynolds has signed every single one of them. On the on the dashboard, it's, it's a special edition Trans Am. Oh, I see. Okay, and it looks amazing. <laughs> I want one sitting next to my Night Industries two thousand reproduction and my General Lee and my Batmobile and my Batmobile and my Ford Gran Torino with the white stripe on the red. You know, mm, my Starsky. Sure. I would love to have it. There's these things. It, it look. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Rolls, so. Rolls Royce Silver Shadow. It, oh. Yeah, I'd like oh. one of those. That would be nice with an ejection seat. Do my uh, 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 Lamont Cranston cosplay. <laughs> that's that's something we need. We need a new shadow. 
Mm. We need a new shadow. I tell you what, for for but don't let Kevin Smith do it. No, I don't. I don't think Kevin Smith could do it. Um, oddly enough, for all the and I'm not saying I want this to happen. By the way, for all the the hate of the dark and gritty superhero turn right now, it's the one character that you can dark and gritty. Yeah, you. In fact, you you can dark and gritty the shadow up to the edge of horror film, and still be in character. The character could yes, you could up to the edge of yeah. let's qualify that yeah. The shadow and torture porn, not a good combo. <laughs> no, um, James Wan, like your work. No, <laughs> I. It, it, I, I hope... I'm apologizing to a lot of people who actually part, have power. Yeah, well, you know, there's a, there's a part of me that hopes <laughs> that they could get the rights all worked out and they could do this series. There's a part of me that sits there and thinks, no, nah, I'm good with the one movie. Well, the problem I think that we have it is d- that... It depends on what we get. We've seen, we've seen good-intentioned failures. And we've seen people who honestly don't understand the source material the way they think they do. Yeah. We talk about... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, God. The sad thing is, is that we finally got League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and it was by a different different company, and they called it Penny Dreadful. Yeah. And... And it got canceled. And it got... Well, yeah, but at least they got to tell their story. At least mm. they got to finish it up. And they ended it at the right place. True. And quite frankly, if... For all that, that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the first two series are really, really good. The longer the ser- series, the, the Black Dossier mm. and the fourth series got progressively more surreal. And it was already surreal to begin with. If you, if you, if you yes. stare directly at it, it gets really weird. It was. But the longer the series goes on, the less storytelling friendly for television or movies it got. Yeah. And which is good and bad because it's, it wasn't made to be, you know. And as, as you may have noticed, uh, he, he's not a big fan of, of either uh, he, he's retired. He's retired from comics. That's what we hear. That's what we hear. For now, anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, sure so, okay, so if, if the rights go and Kevin Smith gets to make this TV show, mm-hmm. what do you want to see in the first season? And I'm going to open this up to h2o at sci yeah, yeah, Let us know, what would you like to see in the first season of Buckaroo Banzai on TV? And I think that, honestly, if you haven't seen the film, if this is something that you, you normally listen to us because you like to hear us babble, and you haven't seen this film... <coughs> Go see this film. Go see this film. Uh, it's, you can find it's it... Out on vid- it's, it's out, out on, on DVD. Video, yeah, it's out on video DVD. I'm sure Netflix has it. I would hope Netflix has it. Dear Netflix... If you do not have Buckaroo Banzai, then we need to talk. You have let us all down. Please have it. Anyway, um, watch it. It is an it is a joyously odd movie. It is fun. It is actually very entertaining science fiction. It's got great villains. It's got great heroes. And again, you're going you're going to look at that cast and go, I know all of these people. They've been in my movies. They've been on my television. They've been, you know, they're heroes and villains and some of the fine. It's one of the best casts. Oh yeah, you know, for a genre and, film. Long before well, we were getting Glenn Close and 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 uh, yeah, except, I, they, well, no, except they weren't they weren't famous then. Yeah, a lot of them weren't famous say, then. This, that was before they got big. But you look at that cast and where they went on to, mm-hmm. and how much these are some of the folks who became household names, and you, I mean, if nothing else. Jeff Goldblum, Clancy Brown, P. 
Peter Weller, Peter Ellen, Weller Barkin, Ellen Barkin, John Lithgow. Yeah. Uh, um, over Carl heaven. Lumley. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. It wouldn't be it would be fun to bring bring them all back. Oh yeah. Every everybody that could come back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a yeah, it's an amazing cast. It's a fun it's a fun film and it's got a it's wonderfully <clears throat> weird. It it, yeah. it wears it wears it wears it wears its weirdness. <laughs> it wears its weirdness on its sleeve and it sets actually it actually it takes its it takes its weirdness and it hands it to you and goes, Here, hold this. Yes. And it's it's just fun. And that And you willingly Take that weird, yeah, and hold it. Which is them. why it becomes this thing where, almost thirty years later, yeah, nineteen eighty four. Wow, yeah, yeah, thirty two years. <laughs> I know, right? I was fourteen when this you came can, out. You can look at the, this generation of folks and and younger and other generations, older and younger, have watched this film and sat there and went, "I want more of this." Yeah. Uh, long before some of these some of these directors and and writers were looking at bringing back the old serialized kind of stuff, it's oh, very much in the vein oh, of an old serialized show. Oh, it's a lot of fun. You know what they could do what if they they're going to get really clever? Mm-hmm. Scream Queens over on Fox. <laughs> go, go on. <laughs> they could do. Do tell. They could do a Buckaroo Banzai themed episode. Centered around Jamie Lee Curtis because she's played Buckaroo Banzai's mom. <laughs> I'm telling you, it writes itself. I know it does. It writes itself. Dear. We could do the first season Hollywood. of Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> we could. Send your check. I tell you. You and know? your and your copy that you actually have the rights to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, send us send us the four page memo. We'll sign it and we'll write the next. Dear Peter uh, Weller, please come on our show. <laughs> that would be fun. and tell us awesome stories. That would be fun. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of awesome stories, tell us your awesome story. What kind of stories would you want to see in the next? iteration of Buckaroo Banzai, whether it's a movie, mm-hmm. a TV show, however this thing ends up living wherever it does, if it does. Right. What are your expectations? What do you want to see? Give us your Buckaroo Banzai hopes and dreams. <laughs> Send it to h2o at sci-fi for me.com or uh, leave a comment on all of our social media or over at uh, sci-fi for me.com, which is where you can find uh, all of our, our news articles and, and reviews and all sorts of stuff over there. And that's going to do it for us. Um, so, John Kinky Boots, thank you, <laughs> thank you for seeing. <laughs> oh, always a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, I am John Coffee Mug, and that'll do it for us here on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio, copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.